Well, we have a bit of scripture to read today, and it's done deliberately, because faith comes by. So if you have your Bible, you're going to need it. Um, Do you know when the word is spoken, the one thing that gets revealed is the attitude of the hearer and the listener. Whenever God speaks, God, God knows if there is a... It's okay not to understand what God says. It's okay to a measure. Because if you're a young child, you don't understand everything your mum and dad's saying. But as you grow, you learn. True? You learn terminology, you learn all various things. You can ask questions, you can get understanding. That's okay. So when you're a young believer, you don't, there's, there's more you don't understand than you do. That's perfectly okay. But as you're growing God, understanding should come to you. Yeah? But is that often what happens as a Christian is that we get to a point and we plateau out and we stop learning. We stop listening. Why? Because our attitude is revealed. Our attitude is revealed. It's like, oh, it's not him again, is it? Or it's not her again, is it? It's not them again, is it? I've heard this before. Hey, we've all been there. But I just want to throw this word out to you this morning. Is why stand up? Very often we'll say, stand to our feet. Why? Because we ask you. And a kid will keep saying, why, 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 why? Be- because I've asked you to stand up. But God asks us to stand up. But why? Well, I'm going to tell you this morning. Why we must stand up. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 12, I'll just quote it to you. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. A glorious high throne, the place from the beginning, the place of our sanctuary. In other words, God wants us to stick with the beginning. There is a throne in heaven, that's always been there from the beginning. It's a glorious place, and it's the place of our sanctuary. In other words, it's a place where God wants the believer to function from. We live on earth. Say, I live in a body. I live in a body. Go and tell yourself, I've got a body. But I've got, I've got a soul. But I also have a spirit. My spirit is connected to heaven. But my spirit lives in a soul and a body. Yes? My spirit is connected with God. Why? Because my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm connected from, to the beginning. That's why it's called the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah? It's the beginning. So if I'm a son of God, not the son of God, if I am a son, that I'm connected to the beginning. Yes? And that place is my reference. That's the place of my sanctuary. In other words, that's that's my headquarters. That's the very place I'm connected to. And when I die and my flesh and my soul go into the earth, my spirit lives forevermore. Why? Because I'm a spirit that lives in a soul and a body. Because a spirit on its own needs flesh and blood. That's why Jesus became a man. Listen to this, watch this. The Son of God became the Son of Man. So that the Son of Man, so that the sons of men, the Son of God became the Son of Man, so the sons of men could become like the Son of God. Watch it. The Son of God became the Son of Man. So the sons of men 
could become like the sons of God. So he started from the beginning. He came down. He came this way. So we could be connected back to the beginning. So it's important that you begin your Christian walk from the beginning. I want to say beginning. I don't mean just the day that you became conscious. I'm talking about the one who starts from the beginning. Amen? So Ecclesiastes chapter 8 says this, verse 2. Obey the king's command, I say, because you took an oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for the wrong cause. For he will do whatever he pleases. Since the king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm. And the wise heart will know the proper time and procedures. For there is a proper time and a proper procedure for every matter. Though a man's misery weighs heavily upon him. So in the midst of misery and heartache, there is a proper time. Isn't that right, Emma? In the midst of Emma's misery and frustration, there was always a proper time and a proper procedure. For every matter. Since no man knows the future, who can tell him what is to come? Only God. No man has power over the wind to contain it. So no one has power over the day of his death. As no one is discharged in time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. Wickedness will not release those who practice it. That's why some men will always be wicked until God intervenes. Wickedness will never let go of people who practice it until another power steps in. Amen? So there's a lot being said there. The kings, he said, don't leave the king's presence. Don't be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Don't stand up for a bad cause. Now, I don't know about you, but there's many people standing up for all types of causes today. Right now, this week, protesters were standing up against Donald Trump visiting England. You think they'd have something better to do? Some people believe him as a type of Adolf Hitler. Some people see him as a misogynist. Some people see him as, a, you know, all kinds of... He's the, the new evil on the earth. He's just Donald. He's just Donald. This week, the backbenchers in the government were ready, hoping in the, in the, in the wings to seize power, hoping that this is the downfall of Theresa May. As Teresa is struggling to get pen to paper and get us a decent settlement for the divorce called Brexit. They were hoping that we'd, the country would move to a referendum. But I like what Teresa said this week. She said, make it, make, let me make this clear. Britain will be leaving the EU. We will be leaving it. End of. So shut up, sit down, take a glass of water. Ecclesiastes tells us that misery weighs heavy on people. It does. For the last week and a half, misery has weighed heavy on me with my brother-in-law being in hospital. 
I know what misery, we all know what misery feels like. I work with a lot of miserable people. Not now, but... I work on my own now, I'm the only one. I look at myself in the mirror and say, who are you? Sort yourself out. If you don't sort yourself out, you're out of here. It's bad news when you look in the mirror and you're not happy with the guy you see. But you know, I always say, this, this week, the country was in misery after Wednesday night. The only one thing you can do with misery is celebrate it. When misery is upon us, a new act, we look to take action. We look for a new action to come about to change the misery. But actions are not always possible, are they? Some things are out of our control. And that's why we cannot be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Because the one from the beginning, he says he holds the whole world in his hands. There's a time and a procedure for every matter. So the Bible tells us misery does weigh heavy upon, upon man. And sometimes it's these misery that causes man to either stand up for a cause or lose his cause. Think about that. Misery can be the very thing that causes us to stand up for a cause or the very thing that we become so tired that we put it down and walk away from it. Now, I don't know about you, in my Christian life, I've had the ups and downs. I've had happy, I've had sad, I've had mad, I've had glad. Yeah? I've had all those feelings, emotional feelings, that make up this emotional, psychological rainbow. I'm sure you had the same. But then Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a proper time and a proper procedure for every matter. And I wish I knew that procedure for every matter. And that's why I must know God and I must know his word. Because only in God and only in his word do I get the insight and the revelation and the understanding and the wisdom for my situation. It's not what happens to me, it's how I respond and what I do in that midst. I may not be able to control some things, but I can affect and influence myself. Because that's the procedure... I must speak to myself in times of misery because no one else is going to speak for me. That's a procedure. There's a time to speak to yourself. I'm a great believer in talking to yourself. I know it doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good at all. And you, you see these people on the phone, don't you? But you, know, you don't know they're on the phone at first. And they're walking, they're talking like that. And I'm going, look at that nutter over there. And the, more, the closer you get to them, you realise they're on the phone. But don't they look in a bit of a numpty from afar off? So yesterday, I goes for a walk for, to talk to myself. And I'm just thinking, I'll go into the country because I know nobody's there. It was like the M6. <laughs> Everybody was there. And I just wanted to say, we all just clear off. And let me just do my thing. And I'm looking for some sanity time. I just want to scream out, want to talk out. I want to just say what's in my heart. And I just let the heavens hear me. You ever get like that? And there's a time and there's a procedure for everything. So yesterday I thought, I'll try and get some... I'm a great believer. You've got to find a runway to land your thoughts and to take, to, for your thoughts to take off. And certain places help you do that. 
I'm a great believer of that and I practice it quite often. Sometimes with myself, sometimes with Carol. So there's a time and a procedure for every matter. Because you need, when you need wisdom, insight, knowledge, understanding, clarity. You need some answers in a moment of misery. And sometimes the answers don't come in that moment, they come after. But if you hadn't have had the sensible conversation with God before then, maybe you can't, that paved the way for the clarity coming afterwards. Again, Ecclesiastes tells us that no man control the day of his death. No man can control the day of his death, but he can control whether he dies prematurely by how he lives and how he eats and how he, he does life. We, do, we have a lot of control over our life, but we don't control the day of our death. But you know our death, strange, our death must speak about our life. Though I may not control the day of my death, my death better speak about my life. Because I want my life, I want my death to speak. I do not want a grave what says, Tony Gisson, dash. He lived from 1961 to whatever age. Is that it? Is that it? Is that that what my life was? That dash? Let that dash speak. My life is not summed up by a hyphen. Neither is yours. So let your death speak. So that's, therefore, I will not have a gravestone. When I'm gone, I'm gone. You're going to burn me. Why? Because my life must speak now. So, so it speaks when I'm dead. Some of us have lived a long time but never lived a day in your life. So, when a Christian... A believer stands up for a cause at the right time. The enemy often will come to knock you off your perch, so to speak. We all know that, don't we? Just as you feel good and you're ready, wham! It's like the blind side. It comes from the left. It comes from the right. You just didn't see it coming. You're thinking, I checked that junction. There was nobody there. It's like that bike. That blind spot. Then all of a sudden... Bang! It hits you. Because the moment you're just about to get on your horse, there's always something or someone ready to knock you off it. But you've got to stand up. The enemy, the enemy in the Bible tells us, there's two enemies in the Bible. There's you. Why am I an enemy? The way you think, the way you speak, the way you act. You are your own worst enemy. Right? So, Enemy, one enemy is you. But then there is an enemy of the cosmos, and he's called Satan. Now, Satan does not like any Christian trying to stand up for a cause. Because the moment a Christian stands up for a cause, the Bible says this, he has only one purpose, but it comes in three flavors. It comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And people say, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues about this devil. I don't think he exists. Well, okay, you can say that. And that's number one, he wants to blind you as well. But he comes to kill, steal and destroy. And that's what, exactly what I see in our world. Some horrific situations. Lives, innocent people being killed. People are being stolen from. When I say stolen, I don't just mean theft out of the house. Things that mean governments are ripping people off. Stealing from them. 
So when you steal from people and you throw them into poverty, you ruin the hope of a people. So kill, steal and destroy. But John, in the book of, in the book of the Bible, says this, but I have come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. So for one trying to take your life, there's another one trying to give it you. But you've got to stand up and embrace this life. Amen? And I, what I love about the Bible is this, is that even wicked people, even sinners, the Bible says this, it is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. The goodness of God. Only God can step in and turn somebody whose heart is not for God to God. Why? Because it's the goodness of God for him to do that. The goodness of God. I was going a different way until God stepped into my life. Thank God. So watch this picture. God changes the, when God changes the command, sorry, when God changes the situation in anyone's life, he always does it with a word. When God changes a situation in your life, God always does it with a word, through a word. So when God speaks, that becomes the material for a changing your life and changing your environment. Yes, God's word does that. And we're going to read, I'm going to show you how. Stay with me now, we're going on a journey. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. So a word comes, but it won't be the word that you think. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Karami, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah. There's some rum names in those days. The tribe of Judah took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against them. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel. And he told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied it out. And when they returned to Joshua, they said, not all these people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it. And do not weary all the people, for only a few men are there. So about three thousand men went up there, but they were routed by the men of Ai. So they're getting a bit of a kick in. He says, who killed about 30, 30, sorry, who killed about 36 of them? They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. So now there's misery in the camp. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders did the same and they sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we'd been content to stay on the other side of Jordan. So now misery has come upon him because of the sin that's inside the nation Israel. So God is about to become merciful and he's about to turn the situation around, albeit he's going to speak to one man called Joshua. Now, very often, you might be the one woman, the one man, the one person in your family that God speaks to to turn your situation around. You might just be your family's Joshua. Okay? So let's see what he has to say. Are you going to be surprised? Back a minute. Oh Lord, what can I say? Now that Israel has been routed by its enemies, verse 8. 
the Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this day and will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? And the Lord says to Joshua, stand up. Stand up. Now, you might think that isn't a fantastic word, but that tells me whether you're ready to respond. That tells God whether you're ready to respond. So if I speak to somebody, I say, Andrew, stand up. Well, why do we need to stand up? Can you take the chain of command? Can you take the word that's coming to you? Can you obey? If you can't obey the command to stand up, then you're never going to be ready to take what's be said. The first command is, Joshua, stand up. Now, don't forget, Joshua's had a fantastic leader. He's had a fantastic father, mentor, called Moses. And now here, Joshua is getting his backside kicked because of the behavior of some of the people in his own nation. Now, Joshua, because it's not fair, why are you picking on me? I didn't do it. He didn't do that. He took responsibility. He went on behalf of the nation and he prayed, God, what are you about to do for your great name? That's what, exactly what I'm praying for us. Lord, what are you going to do about your great name? So the first thing he says, Tony, stand up. In other words, come alive. Be attentive. Get ready from about for what I'm about to say to you. Because what I'm about to say to you will determine whether you truly can grasp hold of what I'm about to do. Stand up. Some of us have got such a lackadaisical attitude when God speaks that God can't speak. We hear, we listen, but we never grasp. So the Bible says this, and he says this in the New Testament, and it's, don't ever let this be said of us. You're dull of hearing. Paul says to the Corinthian church, you're so dull of hearing. By now, some of you should be teachers. But you're so dull of hearing. That's what Paul told the Corinthian church. Don't ever let that be said in this house. Why? There must always be the attitude and the mentality of stand up, I'm about to speak. Are you getting this? What are you, he says, what are you doing on your face? Stand up. It's not a time to be on your knees. Get up now. I'm about to say something. So then he says, Israel has sinned. They have violated the covenant, okay, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. Just sounds like a proper Mancunian. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against the enemies. That's why some of us cannot stand against our enemies. Why? Because we don't stand up and we've got sin in our lives. Then he says this. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have made, they have been made liable to destruction. It's their fault. That's what he's saying. It's their fault. And I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. In other words, there has to come a day when you put things to an end. Dream Center, hear the word. There has to be a day when we put some things to an end. We cannot keep fighting the same battles. Hello? God will always change our situation if he can see a response 
emerging in our hearts. You see this? So why should you stand up? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you reasons why you should stand up. The first reason why you should stand up is because that's the command. Stand up. Listen what I'm about to say. So inside your heart this morning, you should be stood up. It's wonderful to, to praise the Lord. It's wonderful to be on our knees in, for, in front of him. It's wonderful, but there's a time to stand up, ready? Because standing up is a time to do. Second reason, why should you stand up? To remember all the good things God has done for us throughout our lives. Every household needs to be able to remember the goodness of the Lord, irrespective of good, bad, and, in, and indifference. Every family. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 5 says this, And the Levites, listen, Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 5, And the Levites, Jeshua, Kadimel, Bani, Hashbaniah, Sherebiah, Hadiah, Shabaniah, all the Aniahs, said, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be his glorious name, and may he be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, and the earth, and all that is in them, the seas, and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You're connected to this. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham and brought him out of the earth of Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you. This is the reason why you've got to stand up. And you made a covenant with him to give his descendants the land of the Canaanites. You sent miraculous signs, verse 10, wonders against Pharaoh, against all the officials. And what he's doing here, he's given a whole history of Israel as to why this generation reading this should stand up and praise the Lord. Now, if you were to give your family history of how God has moved on your behalf, could you stand up and praise the Lord? You've got to be able to document your own history and document the moving of God in your own family. So for me personally, I can, it's very easy to do. I can see the time when God saved my son. I can see the time when God saved, divinely stepped in and saved my other son. I could have lost two of my sons. Two miracles. I, stepped in, I step in and I see how God supernaturally, divinely healed my wife. When the consultant said, there's not a chance. I can supernaturally see how God has led me from one place to another place. I can see all the stones are here. So if any member of my family walks with me through my history, they can say, what's that stone? Oh, that was the day when the Lord did this. What's that stone? Oh, that's the day when the Lord met us and he spoke to us about this. And then I look at other stones. I say, and that's the time when God did this. And that's the time. And after a while they say, we get it. But you know the best stones you can look at are the living stones. 
So that when I look at someone's life, they say, Pastor, if you hadn't preached that word, if you hadn't have helped me in that area, if you hadn't developed me in that area, if you hadn't spoken that word at that time, I would have despaired and not believed. The best stones you can ever build are living stones. Living stones. Why? Because living stones speak on your behalf. But all the miracles, they don't speak until you, unless you take somebody back and explain it to them. My daughter does not follow God. And it's fine, it's her choice. But when I'm in that room with my brother-in-law, and we're around there, and we're speaking and prophesying, she takes a step back. And you know what? She daren't argue. You know why? Because she's seen a mother healed. She's seen God work. Now, it doesn't fit in with her lifestyle, but she can never deny that God does not work. Why? Because we built living stones and we built metaphorical and historical and inspirational stones in our family that speak for us in our absence. And just one day, just one day, there may be a time in my daughter's life when she's at a crossroads in crisis and she just might remember that the God who worked for mum and dad the God who worked for the two brothers, the God who worked here and there and there, it just might mean she stands out and says, is there any chance you could help me? She might just have to stand up and ask the Lord, is it still on? Do you still love me? Do you know me? I can't talk to you, I've not served you. And the, and the graciousness of the Father will speak to her just like he's speaking to you because it's the goodness of God that leads to re- Repentance. You've got to stand up when God speaks. And the fact that I stand up and I'm still standing up gives me the right to say what I'm saying. Standing up. It takes a man to serve God. Certainly in this day and age when everyone laughs at you and criticizes you, what good is God in this day and age? Hey, there's a lot of good in this world. So you... So here, he's given them a discourse of all the times from the day called beginning, how I've nursed you, I've carried you, I've fed you, I've watered you, I have led you through your enemies and beyond your enemies. Why? He's shown them that he's a good father who can be trusted. And he goes through all the painstaking, he goes meticulous detail. You were here, you were there, you did this, you did that. It's important. This is why you must stand up to be explained to people where God has divinely intervened in your life. You must stand up and show others that. You must stand up and show others that. Well, we haven't seen God move. You know what? You must be the only people who's never seen God move. You know, Bible tells me this. and In fact, so if he tells me this, he tells us this. God has no favorites. But God does Bring favor. There's a difference between favor and favorite. God favors those who walk with God, who work with God, who worship God, not those who just worship on a Sunday. Those who walk, those who work, those who witness, those who worship, those who trust, those who stand up, those who step in, those who stay in. That's who God works with. So, Why do we need to stand up? Because the Lord, your God, is with you. 
Why stand up? Because the Lord who is God is with you. This is why you must stand up. Jeremiah verse, chapter 1 verse 17, he says this, Get yourself ready. And this is what he says, Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. But, 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 but I'm only a young boy. I've not been through discipleship. He says to him, let's have a conversation here, Jeremiah. Me, God, you're not. This might be the first revelation you might need. I'm God, you're not. Second revelation you might need is God good, devil bad. If I tell you to stand up, I'm able to carry you. I'm able to carry you, protect you. So he says, stand up and say to them, whatever I've commanded you, do not be terrified by them. I'm no longer a child of fear. I will terrify them, he said, because, or I'll terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city. You can see what he's doing here. He's almost like doing the Iron Man. He said, Jeremiah, put your hands out. And then he's telling him, I'm going to make you a fortified city. And all of a sudden he puts his hands out. You see parts of his armor coming to him. God supernaturally is imparting his word into him. I've made you a fortified city. Something's going into Jeremiah to make him this fortified city. It's not just words. He's not trying to flatter him. It's almost like the iron man's coming on him. The armor's coming on him. I've made you a fortified city. An iron pillar. A bronze wall to stand against the whole land. Against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests and the people of the land. They will fight against you, Jeremiah. But I've just given you the Iron Man uniform. But, but will not, even though they'll fight against you, they will not overcome you. Why? For I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Why stand up? Because God is with us. So there's confidence to stand up and say what needs to be said. There's confidence to do what needs to be done. And there's confidence to advance in the area that he's told us to advance. When was the last time you stood up and acknowledged the Lord your God is with you? When was the last time you ever had a testimony that the Lord my God was with me? I did something that he told me to do. People stood up and resisted me. But the Lord my God was with me. Why? Because I felt the strength of the Lord coming upon me. I felt I was a fortified city. I was an iron pillar. Wow. An iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah. Wow. Wow. You know, when you stand and you pray for this nation, you are standing against every devil there is. You're standing against every high thing, every high wall, every power that does not want Great Britain to to succeed. But one woman, one man can stand in the gap and God can make him a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall. If you stand in the gap and do what God wants, God is with you. Oh, your knees might quake. But that's okay. It's a great opportunity to say, well, if you're with me, now's a good time to show yourself. 
Why should you stand up? You want another one? Because God has something to say to you and has something to say through you. Why should you stand up? It doesn't matter how much you know. Well, I've not been to Bible college. The one who's telling you to stand up knows where you've been. The one who's telling you to stand up and speak knows what you know. Oh, by the way, he knows what you don't know. And despite you not having the academics and not having the experience, God still tells you to stand up and tell people what you do know. But it's important, if you're going to tell people what you know, tell them the one you know. They're not interested in Greek. They're not interested in Hebrew. They're not interested in your Bible scholar. They want to know what you know about the one you know. Once I was blind, but now I can see. That was the greatest testimony a person ever gave. He'd met Jesus for five minutes. In five minutes, he was blind, and then he was healed. He didn't know anything about the resurrection. He didn't know anything about his past. He just knew that was my testimony. Once I was blind, now I can see. You can't argue with that. So, now, that's not saying you don't need to know more. We're saying start from where you are. You might say to somebody, what do you know? Well, I know there's a church down there. I ought to keep going there. But you know, it's fantastic when I get in here. They tell me things I've never heard before. They tell me words I never heard in the Bible. They tell me all kinds of things in here. You need to come along. You need to hear what that guy's saying. You need to hear what those guys are saying. This one, there's a bloke. There's a, a young man and a woman down here who's been waiting 10 years for a baby. And God spoke to them. And now she's with child. Really? Yeah. You didn't know a lot, but that's, what you, that's truth. Let them come. Let God fill in the blanks. Just tell them what you do know. It's nice when you talk to people and you can get a home run and lead them to the Lord. But guess what? More often than not, you're just, a, you're just another link in the chain. One man sows, another man waters, and it's God who gives the increase. But you be the man who waters or be the man who sows. Amen? And you get on a point for an assist. Why should you stand up? Because, oh, I'm going to go back. Because God has something to say to you. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1. This is what he says. Have you noticed every time God's got something to say, he keeps telling them the same thing. Stand up. He said to me, son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. Why? Because on your feet I've got your attention. And this is what he said. As he spoke, everybody says, as he spoke. No, I said everyone, if you will, please. As he spoke. This is what happened. The spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, son of man, put your own name in there. I'm sending you to the Israelites. To, oh, great stuff. I'm going on a journey. And then he starts unfolding to a rebellious nation that has, that has rebelled against me. And they said to their fathers, they've, been re they've revolted against me to this very day. The people to whom I'm sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Do you know any of those kind of people? <laughs> Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen... 
For they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. So when you tell people, and you get up and tell people, it's not a question if they, the first thing you're interested in, and I'm interested in, whether I look a numpty. Get over it, you do look a numpty. The second thing you're worried about is whether they'll resist me. Get over it, they will resist you. And there'll be days when they accept what you have to say. The point is, stand up and say to them what I'm about to say to you. What I'm about to say to you, Ezekiel, you better tell them. So whatever you're hearing this morning, church, you are now obligated in God to go and tell others. You are now obligated. Why? And that's why he says, stand up on your feet, because I'm about to tell you something, and then you better hear what I'm saying, because you are now going to be commissioned to go and tell them. And by the way, they're a rebellious, obstinate, stubborn people. You can put our city in there, Manchester. You can put any city in the world in there. This is the nature of people. But God loves them. So I'm sending you to the Israelites. So I'm sending you, let's put that in common, uh, contemporary language. I'm sending you to the Brits. I'm sending you to Europe. I'm sending you to the Africans. I'm sending you to whatever your nationality is. There's people right in your sphere of life that you can go and talk to. I'm sending you to a rebellious nation. You got any kids? Got any kids? Kids are rebellious. It's in the DNA. Talk to them. Start there. I'm sending you to people who have rebelled against God and against the things of God. You may have a backslidden daughter, son, family. You may have a neighbor. You may have a friend. Start there. I'm sending you to speak to rebellious generational fathers who set cycles and behavioral patterns. Do you know generational fathers have, have the key to unlock us or to lock us in? Generational fathers. Because everything comes around in cycles. And fathers set cycles of behavior and thinking patterns. And sending you to an obstinate, stubborn people. Whether they listen or fail to listen, you speak what I tell you to speak. I'm sending you to speak to, to, so that after you've spoken, they will know that God has spoken in the midst. I'm sending you to people so that when you tell them, they know God has spoken. So stand up for goodness sake. Why should I stand up? I'm glad you asked. Because the Lord is, send, the Lord is sending you angelic reinforcements. Oh, you don't believe me. Well, step up and step out and you'll find out that those who are with you are far greater than those who are against you. God is able to send angels to assist the word, his own word. Why? Because God is watching to see his own word come to fulfillment. You don't believe me? Okay, I'm glad you don't believe me, and I'm going to prove it to you. Daniel chapter 10, verse 11. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. Stand up, for I've now been sent to you. This is an angel speaking to him. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, don't be afraid. Since the day you first set your mind since the day you first set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom, this is the angelic, there was a fight going on in the heavenlies. And God sends him to Daniel. Go and reinforce, it only takes one angel. 
And listen to this. How long did this fight go on before he got to Daniel? 21 days. Mm. Didn't we have a book called 21 Days of Encounter? Then Michael and one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there before the king of Persia. There was a spiritual battle and Daniel needed that reinforcement on the ground. And the angel was sent from heaven. But as he was sent, the demonic angels tried to resist God's angel. But no demonic angel is ever going to beat God's angels. It's impossible. There's a reason why Satan was thrown out of heaven. Satan has, over, has already been overcome. So that was Daniel chapter 10, 11 verse to 13. Why should you stand up? You ready? Because the Lord your God has given us a nation, tribes and cultures into our hands. He's given nations an opportunity to repent. Why is it when we speak as a church about God fighting for our nation, the whole church goes quiet? Like it is now. The problem with Britain is this, is whenever we try to address spirituality at the highest level, the church goes silent. Because we've got so used to, God just bless me. God just work with me. Lord, just bless my little circle. Make my little circle happy. God is interested in national transformation. If you can affect a government, you can affect a people. If you can affect a people, you affect a nation. Governments are ruining nations. Governments can bless nations. So God has to deal with the top. Now, when he deals with the top, there's two tops he deals with. He deals with his church and he deals with the government. So he needs the church to be his right arm. Because the church, now through the church, the manifold wisdom should be made known to the rulers and the powers in the heavenly places. That's the commission and the mandate of the New Testament church. It's speaking to the high powers because the high powers are the ones that try and rule everything and destroy everything through the church. So the church must wake up and address the national situation. Some of you still not got it. Ever ask yourself, why do nations go down the pan? Why do good nations, nations that were once prosperous, why are some nations never prosperous? And you can look at this nation, well, the empire ripped them off, it did this, it did that. Well, you can always, that's called a victim mentality. There comes a point, there was a lot of truth in some of that stuff, but it's not all truth. You cannot look at every nation that's gone down the pan and blame the British Empire. Because this nation's gone down the pan that had nothing to do with the British Empire. So now there comes a time when this generation needs to take responsibility for the, for the mess that our forefathers got us in. So now God's looking for a generation who will stand up on their feet and begin to intercede for the benefit and for the good of our nation. It's in this house, we will always fight for our nation. And you see, if you pray for Theresa May, don't you think for one second, I'm a conservative. 
because I pray for my nation. I'll pray for, whoever, for whoever's in power. Why? Bye, because they need it. Have you seen them all out there? Not one of them is a good leader. But the point is, we've got them. They're in power. Just like so many of us, when I came into the ministry, what good's this fella? He'll never do us any good. Do you know what? I believed him. The point is, you've got him. God brought me in, and God will carry me out. Now, the thing is, is you have to develop your testimony in the midst of a people. I was a young, snotty-nosed, arrogant kid when I first came in here. I think, I've just, I think I'm still young and snotty-nosed, but I'm not arrogant. God had to do a work to convince you that actually this, this young lad's all right, actually. He, I think we can put up with him. And those who couldn't put up with me left. Those who did could put up with me actually quite like me. It's amazing, isn't it? It has to be God. <laughs> the point is, is I'm still stood where I'm supposed to be stood. That's the bottom line there. So when you stand for your nation, stand for your nation. God wants to bring national transformation. I know of no other re- another way. I said I know of no other way how we are going to address the crime in our nation. I know of no other way how we are going to address this this transition of Brexit without God getting involved. I don't know any other way because right now I don't know about you. When I look at them in Parliament, they haven't got a Scooby Doo what they're doing. Right, so I'd rather trust the one who does know what's going on and ask them to give him the wisdom they need to to transit us through this journey. We sang this morning, what we need is a Red Sea moment. We need the waters to open so we can walk right through it. We We need a settlement that's good for the people of Great Britain and Europe will take care of itself. But right now, the will of the people voted. You can have whatever argument about that. The point is, it's done, we're going, we're leaving. Well, let's see, we need God to lead us. Because I've looked at Theresa May's government and they don't have a scooby-doo. Bless her. Every divorce is ugly. And the quality of the lawyer will determine what he gets and what she gets. I'd rather have God negotiating on our behalf to determine what we need and what we don't need. Amen? Because every divorce looks separate, is, is different. Now, some nations say, well, we left this and we left and we got this, we got that. You may not have had God negotiating on your side, but we need him and we're going to have him. So, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8. Nearly finished now. Zephaniah 3, 8, he says this. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day... I will stand up to testify. God is going to testify about our nation. God is going to testify. I have decided to assemble the nations to gather the kingdoms and to pour out my wrath on them all. All my fierce anger, the whole world will be consumed by the fire and jealousy and anger. Then I will purify the lips of a people. Then uh, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, my scattered people will bring offerings. On that day, you will not be put to shame. 
for all the wrongs you have done to me, because I will remove from this city those who rejoice in their pride. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and the humble and trust in the, those who trust in the name of the Lord. A remnant of Israel will do no wrong. They will speak no lies. No deceit will be found in their mouths. Can you imagine a day when this kind of nation is going to emerge? They will eat and lie down and no one will make them afraid. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. The Lord has taken away your punishment and has turned back away your enemy. When you intercede for the nation, that is the kind of people we can expect to become. Why should you stand up? Because the day of the Lord draws near. The day of the Lord draws near to us. Lastly, that was Luke chapter 21, 23 to 28. I'll skip that. The last one. Why should you stand up? Because you are just like... Oh, let me put it this way. Why should you stand up? Because God wants you to discover, just like Peter, James and John, that you're just a man. But he who is in you is greater than those who are against you. You're just a man. He's asking flesh and blood to stand up against flesh and blood. And he's also asking flesh and blood to stand up against high powers. But this is the point. Peter said in Acts chapter 10, 25, as Peter entered the house of Cornelius, met him, and he fell at his feet in reverence. So let's just say Phil's Peter, and, I've, and I'm Cornelius, and I fall down, and Phil gets up and he says, stand up. I'm just a man, just like you. But the first thing he said was, I understand the honour, but you don't worship me. There's a God in heaven who you should be worshipping. Stand up and let's worship him together. We are flesh and blood together, but let's acknowledge together that we need a higher power. Men men do not need to be worshipped. We can honour people, but never worship another man. Together, we're all flesh and blood. We're all servants of God in here. Well, not all of us, but most of us are servants of God. So when we stand up, no one gets worshipped in here, only him. No matter how great somebody is, or what somebody does, he is the one to be worshipped. Never have I ever asked you to applaud me. You don't need to applaud me. The Bible says, he who trusts in God will never be put to shame. Never. Corinthians says this. You chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world to despise despise things and the things that are not. To nullify those things that are. So that no one may boast before him. So it is because of him that you're in Christ, Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let no man boast. Let him who boasts, sorry, just boast in the Lord. And as true as my word, the last scripture says this, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think, so if you think you are standing firm, Be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except 
what is common to all of us. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Listen. But when you are tempted, anybody being tempted? He will also provide a way out. Why? Watch. So that you can stand up under it. There's only one position God wants you is on your feet, stood up. When you're stood up, God will speak. It's an attitude, my friends. It's a position in the spirit. All year we've been talking about going to the next level. The other week when I came back, the first Sunday I came back from Malaysia, I found those words like a river coming out my mouth. Stand up, step in, stay in. And it was like, God, that was God's announcement that as the coming out of my mouth, my ears heard, and I heard God say, this is the proclamation for this church. Get these people to stand up. Because as I stand up, they're about to hear something brand new. You cannot have a passive, lazy, pathetic Christian walk and expect God to bring the favor of heaven upon you. It does not work. God is saying, stop them messing around, moving around from churches to church. Stop, I'll come one week, I won't come. Stand up! Let me speak to you. Let me, you say you're a Christian. You've got a testimony. You haven't got a testimony. Your life is not a testimony. It's not one you should be talking about. Stand up. Stay consistent. That's your testimony. Many of us don't have a testimony. All we have is to tell someone how we first came to know the Lord. That's not your testimony. That's how you came to know him. We've done this many, many times. I've taught this. Thirteen things that consider God considers as a testimony. Coming to God, you didn't do anything. He did it for you. Your testimony is what you're doing for him. It's great that you got saved. Wham, that's the great place to start, by the way. But people need to see a changed life. And if I can look at you today, and I can look at you in two months' time, and I can look at you in six months' time, and I can see you going through the rubbish and still stood on your feet, I want to hear what you have to say to me. Because you now you have something to tell me. Don't just tell me how you came to the Lord. Tell me how you're standing for him and walking with him and getting victory with him. This is what people need to see. They need to see the power of a changed life. The most difficult thing is not bringing someone to the Lord. The most difficult thing is to see someone's life change. And seeing someone surrender their life. This is what makes us Christians. It's not easy. Stand up to your feet. Stand up on your feet. Let me ask you, stand up. This is the easy part. Stand up on our feet. That's the first word of the Lord. That's the first part of the command of the Lord. Stand up. The next, the next phase of that command, I'll talk to you about this. It's called, stand up. Now you've got to step forward. Or I'll call it stepping in. Step forward, stepping in. Next time you hear me talk about this, we'll be at a different place. 
Because stepping in now is where you have to decide to let go and step away from. Standing up is one thing that's called attention. Stepping away from something, ah, now something has to be cut off. Yeah? Stand up. Step, step in. The next phrase after that is staying. God's got to cut something off in you next time we talk about this. Amen? But for now, you've heard the word of the Lord. It's up to you what you do with it. We are on podcast. You can get the, download the podcast. You can go through this in your own leisure. You can write whatever notes you want. You can pause me live. That's always great to say, shut up, Tony. You talk too long. Pause me. Go and make a brew. Come back two hours later, and I'm there again. I'm ready to go. And I waited for two hours, still stood up, ready to go. That's the one thing, good thing about a podcast. You can pause me or switch me off. So, Father, right now, I thank you for your word. Don't leave the presence of the king. There is a time and a procedure for every matter. And I believe the time is now, and God has given us the procedure. He said, don't leave my presence. Don't leave my presence. Because for some right now, you're in a time of misery, heaviness, sickness. But that season will pass. But I want you to remain, step into my presence and stay there. Know me as your father. Know me as your God. I want you to know me as a son and as a daughter. I am the God that can heal you. I am the God who can be your father. I'm giving you the opportunity this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your saviour. And you wanted to know him this morning. All you have to do is pray this prayer. But I'm going to ask you as you pray this prayer. You come and talk to me afterwards and let me know that you've prayed this prayer. Because you'll need some, some information and some help to get you on this journey. And all I want you to, to pray is this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus. I come before you. Just a man. A man who has messed up. Made mistakes. Done things not proud of. And I come before you and ask you to make my life brand new. I know I've heard that you died for my sins. And that your blood washes away all my past. You want to make me your son. And yet I feel so unworthy to be your son because I'm just a man. But God says he will make you his son. And he will set you free from your past. And today you will be in paradise with me. So right now, pray this prayer. Father, I repent of my sin. I'm finished with the old life. I want to give my life to you. Wash me. Cleanse me. Put your spirit within me. Make me a son. Put a robe on me. Put a ring on my finger. Because I'm coming home. I'm stepping in to the kingdom of God. I'm stepping into the Father's love. I'm stepping in to forgiveness. I'm stepping in to a transformed life. I'm stepping in because the power of the blood has made it possible for me. This is my prayer. This is my prayer today. I step in. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says today... You have become a son. 
That's called coming to the cross. But Jesus wants you to walk through the cross. And he wants you to experience the power of the resurrected life. And to do that, you need us to help you. You'll never work it out on your own if you don't do this. Do you know what I know? I tried it for many years. Still kept doing the things I was doing until I surrendered my life to Christ. And let people help me. And God began to use my life, transform my life little by little. And he can do the same to you. So Father, we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation.